We're so grateful for you. Uh, we're grateful that there is uh, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because of what Christ did for us on the cross, uh, He took your wrath on our behalf. Uh, when He died, we died to our sin, and we're so grateful for that. We're grateful for this church that you've allowed us to be part of, um, that recognizes that, and that will celebrate that today. Uh, I, th- I pray that you would just prepare our hearts. Uh, you've done so already through worship, and I would pray that you would continue to do that. Uh, God, give us open ears, open uh, eyes, open hearts to hear the gospel message this morning. Um, for those of us that, uh, that you've already rescued, Lord, and those that you are going to rescue, may we hear the gospel clearly again today and be drawn closer to Jesus Christ. May he be high and, high and lifted up this morning. Uh, Lord, may you break down um, the dividing wall again today. Uh, and, the, and would you break down rebellion? Would you heal relationships? Uh, Lord, we, we need your restoring power this morning. God, we pray for uh, the persecuted church across this globe, Lord, that, that, that is not experiencing corporate worship like we are this morning. Would you be their comfort, be their refuge, uh, be their place of safety this morning? Pray for their families that are missing loved ones because uh, someone's been put in jail or been kidnapped because they are standing for Christ in their country. God, we lift those brothers and sisters up this morning. We pray for our city this morning, that the gospel preached, Lord, would uh, have its healing message all across this city this morning. Not just here at Hope Point, Lord, but our brothers and sister churches across this city. God, lift those up this morning. I pray for our brother Richard as he brings this message. Lord, you've been working on him all week. You've been giving him a word all week, and now he stands before us to give that to us this morning. So I pray that your spirit uh, would show himself mighty this morning through the preached word. And may you be glorified with what happens this morning in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. If you have... um ever been intimidated by the task of praying because you thought that your prayers had to be lofty and long, I want to free you up today from that um, silly and wayward type of thinking. I want to set you free that you might enjoy changing your world by introducing you to one of the greatest prayers in the Bible, which happens to be one of the shortest prayers in the Bible. You might understand that you can change your world through a very effective but brief prayer, and it's known as the prayer of Jabez. It's found in 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verse 9 and 10. Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. His mother had named him Jabez, saying, I gave birth to him in pain. Jabez cried out to the God of Israel. Here's his prayer. Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I'll be free from pain. And God granted his prayer. As we noted last week, this um, 
prayer. This whole story of Jabez is found in the fourth chapter of of 1 Chronicles, and it's really in the middle of a bunch of genealogical records. In fact, in 1 Chronicles chapter 4, you'll find 44 other names mentioned, sort of names that mean nothing to you, don't really mean anything to me. And if you start back with 1 Chronicles chapter 1 and work all your way, all, all the way up to the, all nine chapters of 1 Chronicles, you'll find 500 names, and the Bible doesn't say anything about any of them except Jabez. And the reason why it mentions Jabez is because the Holy Spirit said there's something different about him than his culture, something different about him than even his family, where everybody else had sort of given up on God, given up on prayer. Jabez said, even though I was birthed in the midst of this pain that's sort of uh, elusively mentioned in the text, Jabez knew it is never the right response, no matter how much pain is in your life, the right response is to never stop talking to God. So that's why he's mentioned. No matter how much pain is going on, you keep talking to God. So last week we noted that his talking to God, his prayer is made up of four requests, and the first one is, bless me. Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, oh, that you would bless me. So he's saying, God, I want to live a life that can be explained only by supernatural power. I want more than an ordinary life that can be just, uh, explained by human capability, human ability. I want divine power leading the way. I want divine power touching every aspect of the way. I want to live and work, walk, play, eat, watch college football. I want to do it all in the shadow of supernatural presence. I was just talking to somebody who recently watched their their mother die and they hadn't her eyes had been glossed over for like years just or, or the last months in in her dying like last year but but right before she died, her, her natural, beautiful, brown color of her eyes just for a moment returned to her before the Lord took her home. I loved that kind of supernatural gift from God. I, I hope, brothers and sisters, by now in your life that somebody has been loving enough, wise enough, truthful enough to tell you that it is the will of God that you live and see often things that can be explained only by the supernatural presence of God. That's his will. That's the kind of will he intends for you to live. That's how you come to know God, by seeing him work in your life. Let me just ask you this. When is the last time small group and you prayed a prayer something like this? I want to see what the power of your Holy Spirit can do in my life. When's the last time you prayed that? I mean, I hear people all the time, I don't see God doing anything in my my life. When's the last time you asked that? I want to see, I don't know what it means. I don't know where that will send me. I don't know what that's going to Uh, what kind of adjustments that's going to require of me. God, I want to live 
by the power of the Holy Spirit, whatever that means. When's the last time you prayed that? Now, you know, what I love about Jabez's prayer is he did not ask God, he did not demand anything of God of how that blessing was to look like. He just said, I want you to bless me. The reason why he did not specify what kind of blessing, Jabez knew he wasn't smart enough. He, he knew if I start messing around and specify the blessing, I'm probably going to under-ask. God probably knows, God does know more, higher, bigger, better, and I'll under-ask. So I'll just leave it to God for what kind of blessings. Let me ask you a question. Do you think there are blessings in heaven that go ungotten? Uh, That's probably another word. There are blessings in heaven that people, God intended that people on earth don't get. I think that's, lot, I mean, we saw that I could give you Bible. We, you do not have because you do not ask. We saw other, But just think about it. Have you ever looked at somebody's life and said, I know that God had more for that person? I mean, this is no-brainer. I know there are blessings in heaven that are wrapped Christmas season that go unwrapped. Nobody ever asked for them. Nobody waited on them. And they're still in heaven by the time the person dies. Second request, increase my influence. Oh, that you would enlarge my territory. Jabez did not want to stay where he was. He wanted to do more for God. And again, you're asked the question, is it really okay to pray this way? I want to have more influence. I want more. Well, it's a Bible prayer. Again, let me give you a very practical way. This is just reviews. So the, four, the reason why I'm doing this, because I know we, we're in and out a lot as church. So do, you say, did you do some of this last week? Yep. Uh, but got some new people. So reviewing the three before. Um, so here's a guy. I have a friend in this church that is allowed by God's grace to train in his corporation 150 supervisors every year. And he gets to train them how to be kind, efficient motivators instead of brute beasts. I mean, he has these 150 influence the company. The people underneath them either go home devastated, ruined self-image, or they go home feeling good about themselves. He, he has the opportunity to train 150. You think he ought to pray, God, give me 250? You think that honors God? Give me 250 next year? How could that not honor God? Yeah, enlarge my influence. Third request, strengthen me. Let your hand be with me. You ought to do a study in the Bible of God's hand. It's fun. How many times God's people are in trouble and they, they, they call out, I need your hand. I need, I need a hand. It's great. It's a lot of times they'll be calling out, I need a hand. Let me give you a few. God's people running from the Egyptian army 
the most powerful army in the world is trying to kill them. They're doing okay, running from them until they get to the ocean, trapped. Looks like the army is going to drive them into the ocean, slaughter the rest on the shore, drown the others, and they cry out, and the ocean splits, makes an interstate right through. Listen to how they give glory to God when the ocean splits, and then when they pass through, the ocean comes back and drowns the Egyptians. Look what they said. How it ha- what was the reason? Exodus 15. Your right hand, O Lord, was majestic in power. Your right hand shattered the enemy. Then the next one, where I need a hand, was Israel's greatest king, David. He looks back upon his life, Now, David was Israel's greatest warrior king. Now, I like David because he started life off as a normalton. You know what a normalton is? That's what Lisa and I, we have a little nickname for our family. We are Richard and Lisa Normalton because we're we're just normal people. Every time I'm doing marriage counseling, I'm saying, 35 years, anybody can make it because we're not spiritual giants. We could fuss and fight. We're normal. Richard and Lisa Normalton. David was normal. He's just a shepherd boy. And turns out to be the greatest king of the greatest nation on earth, Israel. But when he had all of his military victories at the end of his life, look how what he said caused his military accomplishments. Psalm 18, he trains my hands for battle, and your right hand sustains me. Your help has made me great. And then toward the end of the Psalms, we get a verse for all of us. You're about to experience Psalm 145 in 45 or 50 minutes as you gather to eat. The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food at the proper time. You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. So from heaven, the hand of the Lord reaches down and will feed you lunch. I had a friend of mine, uh, Thanksgiving night was on Lake Something in Columbia. What's that lake? Murray. Yeah, it just came to me. Lake Murray in Columbia. And I just love it to think about the hand of the Lord coming out of this heaven to feed my friend. Supper. And this is, this is what the scripture says. This is the God who feeds us every day. Is that just not great? The hand of the Lord feeds you. If you're going to eat today, the hand of the Lord did it. So Jabez said, I can't even eat without God. But you'll never pray the prayer of Jabez until you believe deep in your core that we are designed to depend on God. I received a text from a dear brother uh, two weeks ago. He'd been walking through a very painful trial, still walking through it. And, um, and he just admitted, very transparent, how difficult it is to say I can't handle this on my own, but I so love the way he expressed his transparency of his battle to say, I'm designed to need. 
Love his text. It is often hard to admit my exhaustion because it seems in part an admission that I cannot handle this. But then I am reminded that it is true. I cannot handle this apart from the strength, wisdom, grace, and love of Jesus Christ. I'm not going to deceive you. If you're going to pray the prayer of Jabez, then God is going to invite you into things, uh, into projects that are guaranteed to fail unless God steps in. That's the kind of life he's inviting you to live. They're guaranteed to fail unless God steps in. Let me show you how the world, I mean, I'm going to tell you, this happens to me every week as I start this thing. It's like this, you know, staff always asks like Tuesday, what you're preaching on? I don't know. You'll find out Sunday when these white pages, it's just a God thing. And he, here's the world. Here's the world's formula for the chance that you and I are going to succeed in life. Here's the world. Here's the world says how much chance Richard Normalton has of succeeding. I hate these odds. I hate, I, do, I hate this formula. Your abilities plus your training plus your personality plus your appearance, plus your connections, equal your potential. Man, think of all these teenagers buying into this stuff. <laughs> Man, you just, that's just terrible. That's an ego crusher. That's a self-image crusher. Now here's God's formula for, can you, are you going to, have an enlarged territory. Can you, can you do anything in this world in terms of impact? Here's God's formula. Your willingness plus your weakness plus God's will plus God's power equal your potential. A whole different way when you bring in the factor of the third request of Jabez for strength. Now, that leads us up to the fourth, which I promised last week we would get to the fourth, and we'll set the way for the celebration of the Lord's Supper today. The fourth request of Jabez, very interesting, keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. It is difficult for all of us you included, me as a teacher, you as a reader, to somehow always find the perfect English translation that matches up with what was in the mind of the Hebrew language. This is one of those where it just doesn't match up very well in a lot of the English translations. His, it's just not, it doesn't carry over well. Here's the intent, if you look at all the little Hebrew words, what they possibly could mean, this is what is the best, his nuanced, this is what was being nuanced with his request. 
Keep me from making sinful decisions that will lead to painful outcomes. Now, man, because he knew better than to pray, trying to pray himself out of pain. That's just, that's why the English, you know the English can't be. That's not what he was praying. Keep me from pain. But keep me from contributing to that. That makes a lot more sense. That's somehow, that's how, sometimes that's when you translate the text. You think, what did he not mean? Well, he lives in a world of pain. You can't pray that. But don't let me be a part of increasing pain in the world. I don't want my life to increase the pain of the world. Jabez was wise. He knew that if he were asking God, let me bring more glory to you. Let me have more influence uh, for you. Let me have more power on my life that I can do more for you. Jabez knew anybody who is praying that prayer is certainly not going to go unnoticed in hell. Not going to go unnoticed by evil. So he knew that temptation is going to come. So he's starting to pray, prepare me for the, te- for the new temptations that are coming because I'm living this new ambitious life. That's what it's all about. Prepare me. Don't let me blow this, this new, I'm, I'm praying ambitiously. Prepare me for the new onslaught of evil that's coming because of my desire to live large for God. Never forget that increased success will bring increased opportunities for failure. Let me say that again. Increased success will bring increased opportunities for failure. Um, is this really sort of Jabez's prayer it's, it doesn't surprise us he prayed this way. It's really a precursor to how Jesus taught us to pray in the Master Prayer, the Lord's Prayer. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus told his disciples, and he said, pray this way and lead us. Jesus said, pray this way. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Folks, Look, this body can only handle so much temptation. And therefore, I need to make it a daily habit as a part of my prayer life. Part of my daily praying is, God, keep me away. Don't even let me see it. Keep me away from being tempted. Because I will fall. So you're praying even before the temptation comes. Keep it from me. Because I like it. My body wants it. I'm not strong enough to handle it. Keep it from me. And the more and the deeper, the farther you live a supernatural life, the more you need to pray this prayer. We would like to think the world's a safe place. You think the world's a safe place? It's a dangerous place. 
please agree with me on that. Or like, what universe do you live in? It's dangerous. Evil lurks. Look what one of Jesus' disciples said. 1 Peter 5, 8, be alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Jabez knew that. That's why he prayed the fourth prayer, the fourth request. I've been preaching 32 years. That puts me in my fourth decade. So that means in every decade, in every church, in every city, I go through, I sort of hit cycles. So, like, there's nothing new under the sun. I go through, I've had the same arguments over and over again. And so for four decades, I... I just meet people. I've been meeting them for, like I said, four decades of people who say, Jesus has died. He is risen. The fight is over. How can they say that? Really? Experientially, It doesn't feel like it's over. Biblically, it doesn't feel like it's over. Jabez knew it wasn't over. Jesus knew it wasn't over. I think the Christian life is very, very much one of conflict. I think the most dangerous thing a Christian can ever do is believe that somehow you're immune to temptation. It's a dangerous thing to believe that you're ever freed up from the fight against evil. It's dangerous to believe that because it means that you are ignorant of the devil's schemes. It's dangerous to believe that because it means you're ignorant of your depravity. And it's dangerous to believe that because then you're, you're ignorant of your need of grace. Look how Jesus told us to pray. Deliver us! This is a helpless person crying out, I need your grace to deliver me. People who recognize that evil is an ever-present danger are the most God-dependent, grace-reliant people in the world. Not one ounce of self-sufficiency here. Man. This guy's clinging to God with all his life. Deliver me or I will fall. So we're to be pray, pray to be led away from tempting circumstances because at the end of every evil path, guess what you find at the end of every evil path? Jabez said it. At the end of every evil path, pain. You know what I was doing this time last year? I had just gotten out of surgery for that big infection in my, that got in all my little titanium parts in my right hip that 
those brilliant doctors took out and put new metal back in. I was in so much pain in the hospital, I had to ask the people who were moving me around, would you put a bath cloth in my mouth so I will stop cussing and you hear me cuss? So I hate pain. So I don't want to do anything in my life that increases pain. But at the end of every sinful path, when you yield to temptation, there awaits pain. So Jabez is saying, I think he's saying in three ways, I don't want to live my life that increases pain for me. Hold still, because we said this. I think it's good. Just don't want our mic to mess up. I don't want to increase pain from. You ever hear me when we dedicate these precious babies? Just take note the next time we do this. Father, keep these children from experiencing unnecessary pain. That's what I'm praying. Prayer, Jabez. You think about a college kid who leaves a party intoxicated and felony, drunk driving, 30 years, prison. Mm. Didn't have to do that. High school kid sends out a text, inappropriate, sends it to one person, read by a thousand. Pain, didn't have to do that. Somebody in their 60s, 70s, living in pain, by decision when they were 17. Didn't have to do that. Keep me from experiencing unnecessary pain. Then secondly, I think Jabez is saying, keep me from bringing pain to others. I'm going to mention somebody's name now. I mean, hypothetically. Or you, or you in your head, you do it. Now, just think about it. You mentioned, there are people, I can mention people's name, and you mention their name, and you go, ah. Oh. You think you mention their name and it's just a smile because they've they've spent their life creating what? Pleasure. You, you, I mean, you know them. Pleasure. They bring joy to the city, families, you. Now I mention another name in your head. And their whole life represents pain. They create pain for their parents, pain for friends. And they just create pain, I guess. Did I turn it on? Do y'all turn on me off back there? Okay. So, so they, I almost sang a Tom Jones song, but I didn't. You just feel like you should. I so much want to. Mm -mm. Because I have to go home to her. (laughs) And she's not in nursery today. Jabez says, I don't want to be the type of person that my whole life 
I just leave a, a path, a wake of devastated people. Now, when I say that, you may be the type of person right now that you said, you hear that and you know that you've caused a lot of pain to others. And right now, you can make a decision. You can say, you can let that hurt you. And you can react by pouting, getting angry. And you can leave here and you can make more decisions in reaction to what I just said that's going to further the pain of people who love you. You can react like that. Or you can just repent, admit it, and turn to Christ and say, yes, that's the life I live, but no more I'm coming to Christ for forgiveness. And he will cleanse you of your past and give you a new life and a new start and a new direction. And you'll bring pleasure to people. And third thing I think was in Jabez's mind, I don't want to bring pain to God. I don't want to make decisions that increase pain I don't want pain to injure my communion with God. Look at Ephesians 4.30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed. I like it a lot better in, in the um, New Living Translation. It's just, it just speaks our language, I think. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own. You remember last week when we were together and I had you picture the face of Christ? I had you picture the face of Christ on the cross. I had picture the face of Christ uh, coming out of the tomb. Now I just want you to picture the face of the Holy Spirit as he hovered over the oceans at creation. And picture the Holy Spirit as he accompanied Jesus Christ at all the miracles when Jesus walked on earth. And then I want you to picture the Holy Spirit living in your heart. Right now, the Holy Spirit living inside your body. And the Bible says, don't bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit. Jabez says, I don't want to bring pain to God. So this brings us all to where we are today with the Lord's Supper. This is why we're celebrating the Lord's Supper. This gives us a time to recalibrate. This gives us a time to say, I have brought pain to others. I have brought pain to my Savior, to my Heavenly Father. Do you know that the only thing that can mess up the prayer of Jabez is when we raise our hands to God in prayer is if God sees in our hands an idol that we'll not let go of, then the prayer of Jabez has no power. So the Lord's Supper is a time in which we can examine our hearts and say, is there an idol in my hand that's bringing sorrow to God, pain to the heart of God, bringing pain to other people, and, and cutting off my power of the prayer of Jabez? So as we celebrate the Lord's Supper, here are the verses we're going to use to remind us of why we celebrate the Lord's Supper. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three. We'll look at two passages. I don't say anything about them. Just I'll read them so you can remember what we're doing with the bread and with the, and with the juice. The Lord Jesus, 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. 
And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So the Lord's Supper is a time to ask, how am I doing in my relationship with Jesus? To remember him. And then he took a cup, Matthew 26, 27, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And back to 1 Corinthians 11. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So we're going to have a time, such a beautiful time set by the band with music and us singing. A time to examine your life. Allow this time when the bread is passed out to ask yourself when you're crying out this great prayer of Jabez for God to do great and mighty things in your life. Is there anything in your hand, in your heart, that's bringing sorrow to God, that's bringing pain to other people, and that would eventually bring pain to your life that God wants to free you from? I'm going to pray. The band's going to come. And men, you also come. And let's proceed with the elements. Let's pray.